0: The only way I'm going to get there is by grinding it out and it's going to suck along the way. But those are the guys that end up making it because they just went about their business and got it done.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Champion School. Champion School, where we teach something. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, we need something. Bang, right there.
2: Yeah, if you have an idea for a tagline, it used to be mindset, leadership, culture, but that was kind of just, I don't know if that's a good enough tagline. Is it? Maybe it is. But we need like a saying, like,
1: where champions go to work. What 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 was the old school saying? That was something along those lines, where the champion's champions are made or something i can't remember i don't know but, dude but it was yeah, the way you like said it it used to get me all the time so it, and it was in your like rock overlay intro that was so good you know those those fires so uh we we need a new tagline we need to get back on that but uh we are champion school we do talk to cool people like coach scott strickland that we're gonna have on today <laughs> head coach at uga uh the Bulldogs. so uh before we get to him though who is a phenomenal human being Byler austin bzb how are you <laughs>
2: Doing great, dude. We got, so we got a new coffee machine and it's been a game changer. The old coffee machine was getting a little old and it was tasting rusty. It was, uh, it, was it wasn't very good coffee. And, and we all know if you don't have good coffee. It's just not a good day. day. So you got to have the good coffee. So we got some new cups, Got some new cups. The coffee's been getting drank. I probably have too many cups each day, but hey. At least it's coffee. It's nothing else. (laughs) Did
1: you you go Keurig? What would you go with?
2: So it's a hybrid. It it can do the Keurig, but it also has like a a filter where you can put in the grounds in. So I like that because I like the big grounds and boom, you just throw it in there and let it go. And if it's like in a rush, like before a workout, or you're just kind of getting up, need to go quick, pop the Keurig in, then you can rock it. So you kind of like a hybrid, man. It's like the best of both
1: worlds. Would you, would you consider yourself a coffee snob?
2: Not a snob, but a connoisseur. <laughs>
1: okay, good. Very nice. A Never a snob.
2: Never a snob. Very yeah, nice. like okay. I just give it a little. I do love the smell of fresh grounds. It's probably one of my top three smells.
1: It, it is really good. And you can tell the difference with good coffee for sure. But oh yeah, you're a little bit of a coffee snob sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's got to taste okay.
1: No, it, it's Very all black. good. It's all good. Uh, MLU updates. Uh, anything for the people? I know we're getting lo- launched into some uh, camp season here. Uh, but any updates since the last time we talked?
2: Yeah, a couple updates. So we've got a couple new camps locked in. We just locked in Casper, Wyoming, which is going to be great. And there's two other small towns and some of the rural communities that we're going to hopefully be going to we're in the uh, process of working on those getting those lined up i'm kind of looking forward to the summer too where we're we got a lot going on this summer but i think it's a lot of good stuff that's happening looking to expand our team to get more people out there to impact and just spread the field a little bit so we can go to the places that we want to go to and that want us to be there so we got a couple of those going and then uh who knows what's going to pop up here in this month of february as far as local arizona things um Got a few different things towards the end of the month with some high schools here in town, which is going to be good. A few meetings with some athletic directors. So a lot of good stuff happening. It's just, hey, the process, man, we keep growing. Every year it seems like you yeah, had a couple new locations or people and, and connections, and it keeps kind of building. So a lot of good stuff on our end of us
1: Yeah. Explosion in terms of summer coming. <laughs> it's uh it's happening. So uh, excited about the new members Rad in our team, too. a uh, couple of dudes, we'll we'll get into more detail on that as we get it solidified, but uh, fired up. So let's get into the good news of the week. Good news of the week this week. Uh, I have two really cool, interesting stories, uh, one from your future neck of the woods this summer. Uh, This first one coming from Sweden. So uh, we talk about uh, avoiding anxiety, chronic anxiety. It it comes up with a lot of people. There's the numbers are continually going up, Um, but there's a study in Sweden that shows exercise is the best way to alleviate symptoms of chronic anxiety without drugs or therapy period flat out said most patients in a 12 week circuit training cycle went from moderate to high level of resting anxiety to low level. Without a doubt. And every one of them saw some sort of improvement. So, uh, we always preach it, you know, and, and coach powers is the one driving <laughs> us on the track to make sure we are in fantastic shape, but, um, a huge study. What, what do you think about that? And, and I know it's something that you're always talking about with kids too
2: it's it's a must you don't feel the same if you don't go work out it's just it's just a fact man it's it's the difference in you feeling good all day long versus like kind of feeling like you let yourself down or you need to move or you just feel kind of lethargic and gross it's crazy that when you go out and expend even if it's just 30 minutes of physical activity you're spending energy to gain energy that's how I look at it so you're investing in your energy spent to receive more energy throughout the rest of the day and sustain that energy in a a much healthier way so I totally agree with the the study I think it's awesome and I think everybody needs to to get moving, move your body. Let's go. <laughs> That's
1: right. No, I like it. I like it. I think what, what is the Austin Byler uh, workout right now? Like what, what are you doing? Uh, it's I'm sure it's a little bit different than back in the day, but what, what are you doing now in your workouts?
2: it's it's all through my man decker man it depends on if i show up (laughs) that's the first part Uh, yeah so my guy kyle decker he runs uh, foothills athletic sports training here in arizona does a great job he's worked with a lot of great athletes over the years Uh, i worked with him from since about sixth grade till still to this day i mean through my playing days and everything so the dude's been awesome he's done a lot of great things he's really helped me just mentally physically emotionally nutritionally right and all the different categories help and just teach me and, and kind of just coach me up on a lot of things. So I go with whatever he says, man. So there's some bear crawls involved. There's some crazy ab stuff, a lot of outside the box stuff, some deadlifts here and there. I don't try to squat much, but he'll add that in every once in a while. And then um, a lot of just different workouts that push your body in, in these different types of ways that really help get the most out of you. So that's the big one. If I miss my workout, I always walk or I go run or I ride my bike or all three. <laughs> it depends on the day. So today is a bike ride day. I'm going to hit a bike ride this afternoon. I'm excited about it.
1: Is are you doing heavy weights still or is it like lower weight, you know, body weight, more stuff like that? More but
2: it's a mix right it's a mix so there are some heavy weights like the deadlifts we got pretty heavy at least for what i felt was heavy <laughs> this last week um so that was got that was definitely new oh dude i'm buckling shaking and my mobility doesn't get much it's better as i get older good, right? it's no never shot. been good dude now i'm getting older so it's just a, it's a pain so uh some weights i think there's some a good hybrid of some weights right so you're getting some good weight stuff in and then also some lighter more body type movements that can really get you moving around so there are some weights in there i think it's probably good hybrid of it uh, i really like the mix though that he does and, and he gets after so it's uh it's been very beneficial for sure especially when i'm in there doing it consistently it's been a huge mental boost for sure
1: shout out to decker getting your mind right shout love out love it um <clears throat> so question for you now uh, on the story number two have you ever been put in a situation where like you were immediately like morally checked into like hey Am I going to make this happen? Am I the guy in this situation? Uh, random example would be like some guy snatches a purse on a train, but you could stop him. I don't know. Ooh. Have you has, has there ever been a situation like that that comes to mind for you that that has happened before?
2: Not that it really comes to mind. The only one was the other couple of months ago when there was the fire and I had to call nine one one for the first time. There you go. Perfect. So I saw the fire. I knew there's a lot of homeless people in the canal. I knew it was probably something going on over there that caused the fire, but I thought it was fake at first. I'm like, why this is looks weird? I've never seen this. Yeah. So at, at that point I kind of looked around and I, and I was like, should I call the police? I think I was on the phone with you. I'm like, I think I need to get off the phone and call 911. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that was one where I called them. And then like literally five minutes later, they showed up, put it out, they're walking around and um, I kind of felt good about it. So that was probably the only time where I've really been put into those situations. Um other than that, there's nothing I can really think of. Well, that let me ramp drastic. that
1: situation up. No, I got it. That's perfect. So let me ramp the situation up for you. Where were you at when that happened in your apartment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So imagine you're walking down the street and that house is on fire and you don't hear any. Oh. thing. What are you doing there?
2: Oh, I'm calling right there. No doubt. If I'm walking down the street and I see a house on fire, I'm
1: calling ASAP. Okay. Now I'm not
2: going head first into the house though. No way. One dude. more.
1: Let me ramp it up one more time. You get that call in. Maybe you haven't called yet. Three kids come out of the house and say that their mom and and younger brother are still inside. Now, what do you do? I probably go in. Probably go. I in took fire science
2: through. for two years in high school. Man, I got I got some. You some got some
1: knowledge. knowledge. Good. Let me let me replay this for you. Quick story again. This is uh, Good News Network has has brought this one. This is written by Good News Network. That's all I got. Uh, dude is walking by this house or, or driving by this house at super early in the morning. He was already late for work. Ryan Passborg. Uh, that situation happens, dude. Three kids are walking. Wow. Like he pulls in cause he doesn't hear any sirens. Three kids come walking out and say that their mom and, and four year old brother are still inside. He goes inside, crawls on his hands and knees underneath the smoke because it was tough to see bumps into a four year old child, pulls him out, goes back in, Grabs the mom, pulls her out. Just some random wow. dude late to work.
2: <laughs> Imagine if he wasn't late to work, he wouldn't have even been on scene. Like, think that's about how life saying,
1: works. Right? That's crazy. Like, maybe that dude, you know, hit snooze today and that is what <laughs> saved that woman's life and child. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. It, so.
2: Dude, that is wild. What crazy a hero. That's, that's the good news that needs to be all over the uh, main networks. That's yeah, sure. that's
1: out. That was actually out there in uh, Wyoming, which is why I gave, had to give you that shout out. I, I saw remember, that, Jamestown. that? I think Jamestown. Jamestown.
2: I think I don't know how close it is, but we'll sure. figure it out. I'm going out there next week. We'll, we'll get the lay of the land or more of just can't be that far. It's Wyoming. <laughs> yes. A lot of open space out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: right. Uh, anyways, Ly- Wyoming, Laramie, go bison. Um, yeah, let's good. get into Chew on This, presented by Grinds. Chew on this, this week. Interesting news. Um, MLBPA put in for the, um, th- they put up their, what, what, are they, what did you call that proposal, right? They said, hey, this is what we're asking for. Uh, Rob, Rob Manfred, who is often looked at, looked down upon by many baseball players, uh, fans, people, uh, just in the way he handles things like this, uh, reported back and said, we're not up for negotiation. We need a mediator to come in and sit down and and walk us through this. And that has frustrated a lot of folks, but beyond the politics of major league baseball and a commissioner who's inept, Uh, for you, see that little jab, I got that one like that. that. It's Uh, good good. for you. If you're one of these players in this situation, you, you, you can't go in and work with a coach in the off season. You're, you're really kind of supposed to stay away from it in general. There's really no telling when this thing's going to come back online, whether that's through spring training, after spring training, you know, April, who knows, um, what are you doing as a player to get ready for this kind of thing? What's going through your head, uh, as an athlete going like, I don't know when, right. Cause the same thing happens in college sometimes too, um, not necessarily lockouts and, and things like that, but uh, guys will go away for for winter break. They know they need to take a little bit of a break, but they have that balancing act of, Hey, I need to get ramped up too, you know? Um, so what are you as a professional athlete thinking in that kind of situation and, and what's going through your head in this kind of whirlwind of an off season?
2: I'm definitely frustrated. You know, I I would definitely be (laughs) frustrated. That's the easy thing because all it takes is is a, a mature conversation to find some equilibrium amongst the situation. I mean, that's really all it is. But it never works that way. So it's yeah. uh, so I'm frustrated, but you can't control it. Or I just totally out of your control, unfortunately, which is the tough part. And I think uncertainty breeds a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety and worry for a lot of people, especially if you're one of those guys who's kind of on the fringe of like, this is kind of your yeah. make or break year. So um, I'm keeping my head down. I'm working my tail off in whatever facility or, or off-season location that I'm in uh wherever i'm at doesn't matter i'm getting my work in daily preparing like a season's happening preparing like i'm going to spring training in a week or two preparing like everything still full go now once We find out more details and obviously it's probably going to be pushed back a little bit, if not for a long time and uh, really just sustaining that work ethic, which is the hardest thing. But I think at this point, you got to get off the social media. You got to get off a lot of the distractions. You got to find a good career that you can stay around so that you aren't subject to those distractions, because the worst thing you could do is get on social media, say something you don't really mean, but you're in the heat of the moment. And then now you're looked at uh, or judged upon due to what you said. And it could potentially affect your career in a negative way. So I think that's probably the biggest thing is like, I know you want to voice your opinion, but also like kind of understand the situation, staying in your lane, doing your things, so keep working, um, kind of fly under the radar and, and make sure that you are ready to go game ready by the time this stuff ends. Cause who knows it might end and it's like, Hey, we got to go out and play. So yeah. uh, challenging for sure, but you got to find a way to just keep working. And that's why you're professional.
1: Yeah. Uh, and we're looking at two big names in the sport that jumped into that conversation yesterday or two days ago in Max Scherzer and Marco Stroman. Um, those dudes know how to handle their business. They definitely get their work in on the off season, There's no doubt about it for me as a, maybe even an up and coming player or somewhere in that ranks, like, I'm letting the big dogs take care of the, the, the talk, right? Like do your thing. (laughs) My head is down, bro. Like I have, I was never in a position as a a college athlete, a professional athlete to go, you know, I can run my mouth a little, right? (laughs) Like keep your head down, go to work. I don't know. Tough times. Uh, I'm hoping for a season personally. Uh, hopefully it starts on time, but I think that the things that the players are fighting for are the right things. You know, I think mm-hmm. especially the service time manipulation point where you can keep a guy in the minor leagues three days longer to extend his life under your organization and pay him pennies when your name's Chris Bryant and you deserve <laughs> probably a little bit more than
2: that. <laughs> and you're an all-star coming up. Like, get, just, on, give me a break, dude. Dude. there's
1: what they need and deserve and give the, fans what they want man they give them the time under their belt and when the player's ready he's ready
2: yeah the problem is it doesn't it doesn't do any good for anybody like it hurts no, everyone. So right. the owners, they lose money. The players, they don't get to go play. The fans don't get to watch the game. So now people lose interest. We're already losing interest. You're trying all these things mm-hmm. to try and speed up the game. But in reality, like none of it's actually speeding up the game much. So why are we like trying all these outside the box ideas that are ruining the game of what we've created? We're trying to manipulate it and make it way more robotic and all this stuff. Say what you want. And, and there might be some good or some bad to each one of these ideas that they're trying out. But at the end of the day, man, you're really just hurting the whole sport in general. I mean, football is mm-hmm. kind of on the rise after this last year. They, they had a really good year, I believe, at least from excitement-wise. Um, NBA has been rolling for a little bit. Um, the MLB just lagging behind, but it's the leadership at the top. It's no doubt. It's why it's been lagging behind for a while. So they need to figure out a way to, to change the leadership or do something about this and come to an agreement.
1: What are you doing? And we'll extend this for a little bit because it's interesting. What are you doing? to boost the game like to like if you're rob manfred at this point what are you doing to try and bring in new fans to make this more of an enjoyable sport to watch
2: Dude, I'm getting the kids involved from day one, because if the kids are involved, everybody's involved. Um, I'm also taking a look at the Savannah bananas and what they do. I mean, their Instagram is ridiculous. Like, yeah, it might be a little over the top sometimes, but think about the fun, the excitement. And when you go to the game, you're going to an experience. You're going to an event. You're not just going there to sit and watch a baseball game. And we've seen by just, if you took a panoramic of the field, how many people are watching their phone over the game when they're at the game. So why not do something where there's some on-field entertainment, there's some really cool, in between inning stuff there's uh some exciting things that you can look forward to as far as like promo nights like the bobblehead stuff's great but it's kind of outplayed and like you can only get so many 1,000 first fans for bobbleheads like that's cool got to keep doing it but find some in-game entertainment that makes things interesting do something outside the box stop making it so serious and have some more fun with it so I think that's a big piece getting the kids involved which will bring the families which will bring the game to rise because let's just be honest like it's kind of like hockey like not a lot of people want to go watch a game you know like it's got to be in person did
1: you just take that shot at nhl
3: right there
2: (laughs) i'm just being real dude like i'll go to a hockey game game. but (laughs) yeah yeah okay maybe but like i'm not like looking forward to going to a hockey game all the time you know like i'm definitely not watching it on tv so if you had some excitement in the game that was different you know and you actually let the players be themselves like that'd be fun. So maybe I took it too far, but
1: uh, yeah, I don't know if we <laughs> built to the MLB in this case, but yeah. I I do agree that uh, I give me more Mr. Freeze races, give me more yeah. sausage races and give me more seal throwing his little hips around <laughs> because that's, what's fun about baseball. That's what kids love to see. And, and I think it's really cool. I think um, one other thing, and, and this is Bigger issue is just adjusting it so that when I want to watch the Giants, I can just go on and watch the Giants. You know, stop the blackouts, stop making it so, you know, if you're in a certain area, you have to have a specific TV package. Like, if I want to pay for all the games, let me pay for all the games. You know, like we're looking to spend money. So
2: that's a fact. fact.
1: Anyways, (laughs) sorry about the rant. I hope you guys enjoyed (laughs) that one. Um, But today, Uh, A head coach who really needs no introduction. Um, Both of the next two head coaches, the resumes are crazy long. But for us, Scott Strickland with Georgia, um, I was a little nervous, honestly, starting the interview because I was like, man he comes off a little tough, but <laughs> as the interview goes on, he, he opens up for sure. And he's definitely a guy I would love to play for uh, at some point. And I can't imagine what it's life being on that campus right now, you know, crazy times. electric, so. electric. Anyways, let's get into the interview with coach Strickland. <laughs>
2: Austin, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Champion School. I'm Austin Bother. We've got Jared Perkins, Ray Mack, and a very special guest, University of Georgia's head baseball coach, Scott Strickland. Um, Coach, welcome to the show, man. We're excited to have you. How are you doing today?
0: Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys.
2: Yeah, man, we're pumped, man. So uh, we just kind of dive right into it, man. I want to dive into your story, you kind of did some research. I know you played a little professional ball, Um, obviously had a lot of success in college, and then you've had so much success as a head coach at a couple different stops. Um, but diving into your story, what really led you into the coaching atmosphere and saying, hey, I want to be a head coach one day, or even just go coach college baseball?
0: Well, just growing up, that's all I did. I played sports, whatever season it was, that's what I played. And, you know, I go back to you know, with the kids in our neighborhood, you know, heck when Wimbledon was going on, we're playing tennis when you know the United States won the gold medal in hockey. We're out there trying to play hockey in our driveway. I mean, just we, whatever it was, we tried to do it. We loved playing sports and, and, uh, you know, I had two, uh, two teachers as parents. So education was important, but I loved sports and loved athletics and always wanted to be a part of it. And when I got to college and, and got to Kent State, I played for Danny Hall, who is now the head coach at Georgia Tech. So makes it interesting. Now that's our arch rival. And he was (laughs) my mentor and my head coach. Uh, You know, I just realized this this is what I want to do. I want to do what he's doing. And uh, so after I got done playing pro ball, just got into it, took the volunteer route. I actually coached for him at Georgia tech and, and just knew this is what I wanted to do. Didn't know if it was going to happen because I was two and a half years as a volunteer and, and that's tough sledding. That's hard to do. And just finally got a break and I got my first real coaching gig at Vanderbilt and and just kind of went on from there.
2: It's amazing, man. And I know for, for Ray Mack down there, he, he spent a lot of time in the volley, right? I'm sure you can attest to that, Ray Mack, but uh, kind of bouncing around, right? Different places. And, and you mentioned the opportunity, right? Having that right opportunity. Um, for a young head coach, or sorry, for a young coach out there, for anybody who's in those positions, right? Volley, ops, whatever it might be, who's trying to work their way up, but just doesn't see the end of the tunnel yet and, and can't see the light. Um, I guess, what is your best advice to some of those young coaches out there that are in the middle of the grind? And I know it's easy to kind of Look ahead and say, "Hey, if I get there, if I can go here, I'm looking for other jobs." Um, but being present, like, what is maybe some of your best advice to any young head coaches out there?
0: Well, you got to be where your feet are, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's great to set goals, and it's great to to have ambition and and want to go, you know, to a certain level. But you're not going to get there looking for it. It's only going to come there and come to you if you take care of your business in the present of where you currently are and. You know, it's we all do it. We all daydream. We all wish and hope. But if if we're not doing the things that are adding up to success, if we're not taking care of our business where we currently are, the future is not going to be where it needs to be. So you got to take care of where you are and you have to have goals and you have to have ambition. But if you're so worried about getting to the next step that you forget where you are and you're not taking care of your business where your feet are currently, then you're not going to have success. So you know, my best advice is to do the best absolute job at what you're doing, no matter what that is. If it's the worst job in the world, and I think we've all had bad jobs. And if we do a really bad job at that bad job, I'm not getting a better one. Why would someone give me a better job if I can't even do the bad job right? So do the absolute best job you can at whatever job that is. And it's amazing how things work out. Success isn't guaranteed. But I tell you what's guaranteed, not having success is guaranteed if you don't take care of your business where you currently are.
2: That is really good. That is really, really good. And um, kind of mentioning that, right? Like, I think it's easy for us to look ahead and like you said, kind of daydream. And I think we all do that sometimes where it's like, what if I get here? Or for you, SEC, right? Very big conference, one of the best baseball conferences in the world. Um, high level competition, right? Facing dudes every day. Um, I'm kind of curious, and I'll kick it off to Ray Mac. I know it it looks good on the outside, right? Because, hey, head coach, you've had a lot of success over your years, right? You've done a great job impacting players. Um, I think you've coached a few of my old buddies, Jared Walsh and Hunter Cole, uh, I believe, uh, some great dudes. And uh, looking at that, I know that it doesn't come easy. Um, And there's a lot of adversity that we have to face, there's a lot of challenges, and we're big on on overcoming challenges. And for you, what were maybe some of those times in your coaching career that you faced a little adversity? You had a challenge that you had to overcome, and it kind of took you to dig down deep and and overcome some of those challenges
0: well my first year as a head coach at Kent State I, I inherited a team uh, that had a lot of talent on it but uh, to be honest with you I didn't do a very good job my first year at Kent we, we were more talented than uh, than what we showed re- when when loss record wise and I can remember after that first year thinking oh no am I in over my head am I going to be able to do this we all question ourselves when we finally get an opportunity to to do what we've always wanted to do it can I really do this? And I'll never forget getting a phone call from a then athletic director at Kent state Lane Kennedy. And he said, Scott, I hired you because you're the right person. You're the right man for this job. We believe in you. I know this year didn't go the way you thought it was going to go, but you're going to have success because of how you do things. Just keep doing what you do. We believe in you. And I, I can't tell you how great that made me feel. Just whew, good. The, the, the boss yeah. believes in yeah. me. And I think that's important. And I think that's important for our players to hear from the coaches like, Hey man, you know, we're hard on you, but we believe in you. And we're hard on you for a reason. Cause we believe in you. And so he, he just gave me that vote of confidence. And we went on, we won eight tam- straight championships after that. And uh, we, we had a ton of success at Kent state. Um, and, and I told this story the other day to a friend of mine, when I left Kent, you know, people in Kent state thought I was really smart because we had really good teams. We won championships. <laughs> we went to Omaha in 2012, Man, Coach Strickland, what a great coach. He's so smart. He's so intuitive. I go to Georgia, and we weren't very good for our first few years, and all of a sudden I got dumb in a hurry. And uh, (laughs) coaches become really smart when you have really good players that all buy in and all going in the same direction. We had good players here. Uh, We didn't have enough. We didn't have enough depth in this league, and we had to build that. But we also had to get everybody on board buying in, and that's really tough for any new coach. And I think any coach can – Relate to that. When you take over a program and you're a new voice, you're a different personality. You're going to have guys straying away a little bit and maybe just listening with one ear and at some point not listening with either ears. And, uh, and that's a challenge. You have to get everybody going in the same direction. And I think that as a new coach, we all go through that. And yeah, certainly my first few years here were very, very difficult, trying to turn things around, trying to get them going in the direction that we wanted to go in. And uh, it took four full years to do that and uh, I'm just grateful that Greg McGarity, our athletic director when I first got here had the patience to believe in us and to see that hey this is going in the right direction it might not be going as fast as what we all want it to go in but you know he believed in us so to have success you got that you got to have people that believe in you and that give you that opportunity and I've had that along the way
2: that is so good right
1: those sec fans really expect that thing to happen right away i know that for sure so um i wanted to ask you when you're making that shift right you're taking over a new team or a a new group what is it that you're doing maybe you and your staff are doing to help get everybody to pull on that same side of the rope
0: well just to be honest with them and i can remember our first team meeting when i came here to georgia was hey this is going to be different And for some of you, that difference is going to be good. And for some of you, that difference is going to be bad. And you have got to get to the mindset that this is where we are. These are the circumstances. I'm your head coach. These are your new assistant coaches. We're going to do things differently. Whether you think it's good or bad, you don't have a whole lot of control over that. You have to adjust and you have to buy in. So we talked about the buy-in right from the start, that it's going to be different. We were really, really hard. On those early teams and you can ask hunter cole you can ask Jared walsh <laughs> there were a lot of days they didn't like me and uh because we were trying to challenge them and trying to this is the way it's going to be in order to be successful at this level or really any level things aren't going to be easy and uh, we made it hard on those earlier teams to try to change that mindset and sometimes it was good sometimes it was bad and and uh but we just didn't come in here and say hey, you guys, we're not going to change anything. We're just going to do things the way they were because we came in for a reason. Um, You know, we had struggled at Georgia and uh, we needed uh, a change in the program. And we came in here and it was difficult. It was hard. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to say I sat here and made every decision the right way. You just kind of do things the way you think are best and uh, hopefully get things turned around. And you know, again, it took some time, but uh, we got it turned around.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because you're competitive. I mean, I think you guys won that series at Vandy last year. You had a great year. Um, The one stat that stood out to me, though, reading your bio more was you had 27 SEC first year or SEC spring academic honor role so like to be able to maintain that off the field and on the field is is just key um some of the coaches that you have sean kenny was an old usd i coached a usd for a little bit old usd guy um what has your staff meant to you and and helping shape this thing you have some really good dudes underneath you
0: yeah there's no question Uh, i mean as a head coach at this level you, you have to have a great support staff you have to have a great coaching staff and you mentioned sean kenny i mean he's had success everywhere he's been whether juco route I mean, he started from the ground up. We were, we were teammates in, in Fairbanks, Alaska, almost nice. 30 years ago. That's where we met. And uh, we played against each other in the Mid-American Conference. And, and then he went on. He coached in junior college after he got done with pro ball. He coached at Pepperdine. He coached at San Diego. He's coached at Maryland. He's coached at Michigan. He's been all over the country and had success everywhere. But he's just such a great communicator, and he's really smart. He's really intelligent, but he communicates – players believe in them. They trust them. They like them. And when you have trust and you like the guy, you're really going to listen and you want to do well. So I, I think that's what we have here. We have a high level pitching staff with a lot of talent, but guys that believe in the person that's giving them the message. And my hitting coach and recruiting coordinator, Scott Daly, we've been together now. This is our 18th season together. Really, We were together at Kent state for nine years and, and he helped build that program to to the lengths and to the levels that we got to. And, and brought him along. And, uh, you know, we've been together again, 18 years. Uh, we're like an old married couple. We're yeah. a little grumpy <laughs> with each other every once in a while. i have been <laughs> together a long time, but to just instinctive, like no one else I've been around about the game of baseball was a great player, but great coach players love him. Uh, he's a hard worker. He's a grinder. He's that guy that you need to kind of get things going. And so, you know, Scott Daly and I, again, long time uh, together and, and does a great job. And then, Our volunteer coach, which to me, it it makes me physically want to be sick to even say volunteer coach because I've been in that spot. Uh, You've been in that spot. You know what it's like. It's not fair. It's not right. But Brock Bennett is as good as they come. And he played at Alabama. He's from the state of Georgia, so he's back home, but played professional baseball. As coached as a full-time assistant at Georgia State, has been a volunteer at Alabama, but just knows the game. Really hard worker doing everything the right way. And he hasn't been rewarded yet. I mean, he's going to be a head coach and to have a guy in that position at the volunteer position, that's something that has to get changed. We keep talking about it. I thought it was going to get changed three years ago. It got voted down. I, I still don't understand why, but that's something that's got to change in our game to get rid of that volunteer coach, because it's demeaning to be honest with you. These guys work as hard as anybody. They spend as much time as anybody and they deserve more, but coaching staff that that we have here, my my support staff is just second to none.
1: Yeah. I'll do one more before you send it to JP, but I'm I'm with you. I think first and foremost, you got to at least let them get out and recruit, you know Um, that's the one thing you're always looking for as a head guy to bring in. And the next step is the recruiter and you can't get the, uh, the experience there. It's it's really hard to do. So um, I wanted to touch real quick on the sec tournament. Um, I watch it every year. It is, uh, I would say as tough as the regional and super regional round combined um, in that one week span. Uh, break that down for me. How challenging is that week and right before postseason two?
0: Yeah, it is a grind. And if you win the sec tournament, I mean, you're certainly one of the best teams in the country, mm-hmm. if not the best team in the country. And, you know, look at Mississippi state last year, Mississippi state went in the sec tournament went 0 and two and really got beat. They didn't play well. They got beat quick. They go home. You don't like losing, but you get a chance to go home and take a breath yeah. and, and get ready for the postseason. Ray Tanner, the athletic director of South Carolina used to be the head coach at South Carolina and they won back-to-back national championships in both of those seasons. I believe they went zero and two in the sec tournament. Really? <laughs> so the sec tournament, it's a tricky thing because you want to win every game that you play. And winning championships and having trophies in a trophy case is important, but you also want to go into the regional healthy. You want to go into the regional rested. And if you go into a double elimination tournament, Hoover, Alabama, and you're just busting heads with the other best teams in the country, it is a big time challenge to advance and go to the regional and have your minds right. It is mm-hmm. tough and it's a challenge, but our, our message to our kids, we're going to try to win today. We're going to try to win today. We win today. We're going to go tomorrow. We're going to try to win tomorrow. And you know what, if we get to the championship, awesome. We're right, We're going to, we're going to try to win that championship game. In 2019, we got to the semifinals and we had to move our pitching around a little bit. Emerson Hancock had mono and it was a good type of mono where the doctor, if there's such a thing as a good type of mono, <laughs> oh. him. You know, you Hey, you can pitch. It's not the kind of spleen was fine. You can pitch, but you're going to have some fatigue. So we had to have him on a pitch count. We were going to start Tony Losey in game one of the regionals. We knew we were going to be a number one seed. Tony Losey is going to be our Friday night starter against a four seed the following week. So you can't throw him on Sunday. Yeah. And Emerson's on a pitch count. So we decided that we're going to pitch Emerson on a pitch count and then bring Tony in behind him. That gives us the best chance to win today to get to the semi, to get to the finals. Mm-hmm. And we ended up losing that game. I think Old Miss beat us four to two. It was a really good baseball game. We didn't win that game, but we were doing everything we could to win that day. But mm-hmm. we also had the regionals in mind. So that's the thing that makes it different is you still have to have your face up and your eyes up, thinking ahead to make sure that we're ready for the postseason but we want to win today too. So it is a big time challenge. It set, you know, talent levels off the charts, the competitive levels off the charts, but you've also got to think and look ahead just a little bit to that regional round. Yeah.
3: The one thing I kind of want to touch on. So when I worked for the the Kansas city Royals, the biggest thing that players would talk about is how humbled they got as soon as they got to professional baseball, because they went from being like this big fish and kind of a, a small pond to now all of a sudden kind of having everybody at the same level um, and I'm sure a lot of that happens too when they trans transition from high school to college so, so what are some things that you do to kind of help with the mindset of players to, to kind of help them buy into that that team effort um, when they get to the college level?
0: Well when they get here you know our, our freshmen now get here in July so they're here a month to kind of prepare. We did get acclimated to campus to figure out, you know, where the dining hall is and where your classes are and to be on campus when there's 4,000 students instead of 34,000 students. So I think that helps them get acclimated a little bit to what's coming. It's difficult in the weight room. They go in there with coach gear, our strength coach for a month and they get their heads kicked in and uh, (laughs) but you know what, they're all in it together. And when the team comes back in August, and everyone's together. Those freshmen are a little bit into the program already. So I think that really helps. I meet with our freshmen once a week when they come in here their first semester just to sit down and say, how you doing? Because if I ask them on the field how they're doing, they're going to say they're doing great because they're around all their teammates. And they're not going to tell me that they're struggling with anything, that they miss home. They miss their mom. They miss their girlfriend. They're not going to tell me that on the field. But in the office, when we close the door, you know, I hey, man, how's it going? And uh, there's been some tears that have flown over the last 18 years that I've done this because they do have a transition. It's a huge mm-hmm. transition from high school to college. And when mom and dad hug you and kiss you and close that door and leave, oh, no, a lot of kids, it hits kids differently. Everyone's homesick at some point. And some are a bunch and some are very little, but everybody feels a little bit, so I learned that very early on that just talking to the freshmen one-on-one come in the office, let's sit down. It's 10 or 15 minutes. We end up talking about baseball because that's what we are, but Hey man, how are your classes? How, how's the dorm? How are your roommates? How's your mom and dad doing? You know, start talking about that, get to know them a little bit better, but also just making sure they're doing okay because we all know, man, it's Rocky when you come in as a freshman, everything's new. You're used to being like you said, the big fish. Now all of a sudden, you think you stink. I can remember being a freshman at Kent State going, man, I stink. I'm not very good because everyone else, (laughs) I don't stink. Everyone else around me is just better. And, and that's what makes really good players, great players is they try to get to the level of the guys around you. And same thing happens in pro ball. You walk in there and you just see unbelievable, you know, talented dudes around you that, man, I I had good players around me in college, but i never seen anything like that. And uh, so I, I think that's, it's kind of sink or swim. I've got to get to that level where I'm not going to make it here. And and it's tough at the college level and it's tough at the pro level.
3: Yeah. And I think that's a huge element to remember. It's, it, that's a lot of the times there's that human element inside that kind of gets forgotten. And it's it's great to see that you take those players aside and be able to have the opportunity to just kind of talk to them one on one. But, yeah, I'll kick it off to Austin for Another yeah. question,
2: No coach, you, you bring up a couple of really good points. I, I remember me being a freshman at the university of Nevada and I, and I came in and, and my first years I played for um, an old school coach, Ray You got to play for him. Coach Gary powers. He was there for 31 years or so. And then the last two was with coach Jay Johnson now at LSU and, um, uh, it was a crazy culture change right for from both sides but both taught me a ton of things about life coaching just being a good person and, and more than baseball but you mentioned two things one like as a freshman hopping in it's really easy to be like man, I, the easy route the comfortable routes to go home the comfortable routes to transfer out the comfortable route is to leave and just kind of run away from the issue instead of facing it head on But then you mentioned the fact of that relationship building, like you're getting them there early, which I love. I think that's so key. And then for you, it's like coming to my office. Let's just have a conversation. Let's just talk. So, I guess, you kind of, so maybe elaborate on that the importance from the coaching staff to build those relationships with those players, especially some of the new guys coming into the program who might not know you as well or might not know each other as well. And they're really nervous, right? They kind of scared to get on there. How important is that relationship building aspect from the coaching staff to the players?
0: Well, every coach and, and probably every, every boss out there, hey, my door's always open. Who actually walks through that door? <laughs> yep. Nobody yeah, does. So I mean, hey, Come on in, doors open. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going in there. So I make yep, them come, come in. It's hey, you're coming in here and you're going to talk to me once a week. We do it for the first semester. And again, it's just how you doing. And And I learned this at Kent State and it was my second year as a head coach. We had a really good player that was about three hours away from home. He was from Ohio, but three hours away from home. Really talented kid, a kid we thought might get drafted out of high school. He shows up. And he's doing fine. And I'm seeing him at the field. Brad, how's it going? I'm good, coach. I'm good. Everything's fine. He comes into my office about a month and a half into school, knocks on the door. Coach, you got a second? Yeah, sure. Come on in, Brad. Closes the door. Niagara Falls. I mean, just complete breakdown, crying, bawling. He is the most homesick kid I've ever seen in my life. And I never saw any signs of it because at the field, you know, we're, we're guys. We're, we're not going to show our feelings around our teammates or even around our coaches. We're just going to go and be a robot and play and not let that. But when he went home in the dorms and he closed that door and he's by himself, ooh, it was hitting hard. Mm. And uh, and that's when I realized, you know what, I I can't just ask them how they're doing. I've got to actually come in and sit down and make them tell me how they're mm. doing. And uh, most of the time they're all doing pretty good. They've got some things here and there, but I've had at least one player per year that man, that homesickness is tough, and uh, it's it just and it's not their fault, it just is. And and there are kids that have never had any issues before. Coach, I went to summer camp when I was a kid. I went away from home. I don't know why I feel this way, and uh, it's just human nature. It hits everybody different. So I just thought it was important. I need to bring these kids in. How you doing? How are things going? How's mom and dad? How's your girlfriend? All these different things, because when they're juniors, they'll come into your office and sit down and tell you what's going on if they've already done it as freshmen. Ooh. So the door being open, I think, needs to be open physically for them early to make them go in and do this. And then they realize, you know, I'm not just a guy yelling and screaming at the field. I can actually <laughs> talk and have a conversation with them and be a human being, because sometimes as coaches, you guys have all been coached hard before. Sometimes that head coach, it's tough to go up and talk to that head coach, and I want them to feel comfortable talking to me. They're not always comfortable talking to me, but if they've done it before, it makes it a little bit easier.
2: Coach, I truly believe that's why you've had the success you've had and um, the longevity. I mean, just from former player aspect, I want to be around coaches like that. Where hey, they're going to be tough on me. They're going to be truth tellers. They're going to give it to me how it is, but. I can still go up to them off the field and say, coach, I'm struggling in the classroom. I'm struggling with my girlfriend who just broke up with me or whatever that the situation might be that a lot of our athletes are going through. Um, so I love that for sure. And then the next thing that I kind of want to ask, I'll kick it back to Ray is um, you've had a lot of success, right? You've had a bunch of different things in your life that have, have been great moments, I'm sure. What is like one of the, the biggest highlights of your career? It could be coaching. It could be playing wise, but a moment where you just felt like a sense of maybe being proud or just excited, or just one of those highlights in your life that really stands out to you?
0: Well, a couple things. Um, at, at Kent State, we, we had a lot of success. And, and I've actually got, uh, you know, it's, it's framed in my office at home, my first press conference. I'm a head coach, I'm 32 wow. years old. Uh, I had hair and everything, man. I used to, tell <laughs> my, I used to be good looking and everything. And it's, it's amazing. You know, it was 18 years ago. And uh, But the headline was, you know, at Kent State, it had, had success. Danny Hall was there. Rick Rembelak was there. Had gone to regionals. It had, had success. Had big leaguers come out of there. But I wanted to take it to the next level. Okay, we've been to the postseason. We've got to have our sights set for Omaha. We've got to think about the College World Series at Kent State. Why not? Why can't that be us? And and the headline was, you know, new head coach has sights set really high. And then it had Omaha in there. And I can remember, oh, come on. You're not going to Omaha at Kent State. It's just not happening. And uh, 2012, we went to Omaha. And uh, we had built our alumni base up with, you know, I, I send out an email weekly to our alumni here at Georgia. And I did it at Kent State. They knew our team. They knew what we were doing. They were invested and involved in our program. And walking into the Kent State official restaurant in Omaha and all of our fans. But we had over 100 former players there. And that was really cool for me to watch. I say, you know what, this is what we've built. And we've done really, really proud to do that at my alma mater and, and to get to Omaha to, to win a game. You know, we lost our first game to Arkansas, which was all sec. It was Arkansas, South Carolina, and Florida and Kent state in our bracket. And, <laughs> wow. uh, we, we lost opening game to Arkansas and we beat Florida, who arguably was the most talented team ever. Uh, they had, I think five or six first rounders on that team. And it just found a way to win. I don't know how we did. We, we won that game and, and then lost a tight one to, to South Carolina. But we finished fifth in the country uh, at Kent State. So that's a really proud moment for me. And then the other thing is, is turning this program around. We went four years of, of struggling, of trying to get it right. And in year five, we were a number one national seed. In year six, we were a number one national seed. In year seven, we were ranked number two in the country when it got shut down. So you know, we've been able to build this thing and to be consistent. Last year I thought we were really good. We were beat up. I thought we should have been in the postseason. That would have been the first time in Georgia history that we were in the postseason three consecutive seasons. Wow. 18 and 19, we were in. 20, obviously, we would have been in, but we weren't. Season got shut down. So 2021, that would have been the first time in the history of Georgia baseball being in the postseason three years in a row and We got snubbed. We didn't get in. And uh, that hurt. That was a challenge. But now we're preseason ranked in the top 15. I think we've got a really good club. So just overall being proud of what we've been able to do at Georgia to build a consistent winner, to bring our fan base, a really good product on the field and to challenge to get back to Omaha. That's that's what's in front of us now.
1: How nice is it it playing in front of that? fan base too. You guys, are, oh, yeah, your attendance records are just continuing to climb, it seems. but Yeah,
0: it's, it's really cool. It, Athens is, if you've never been to Athens, it should be a bucket list place to visit. It's the, the best college town in America. I'm biased when I say that, but it gets voted <laughs> that every single year. Uh, it's it's just a great college town. You know, Fully Field, our field is, it's not a 10,000 seat stadium. It's it, it seats about, we get about 4,000 with a sellout, but you're right on top of the action. It's a great setting, has a Wrigley Field Thinway park kind of feel to it. We're in the middle of a neighborhood. So it's just, it's just an awesome, awesome setting, a great place to play. You go on the road and you're playing at Mississippi state or LSU or Arkansas. It's just insane. It just really is. And I still pinch myself to this day. You know, I, I come into the office. I'm like, I can't believe I'm here. I'm from Athens, Ohio. And now I'm in Athens, Georgia at the university of Georgia. How did this happen? How am I here? And just really fortunate, really lucky. And I don't take that for granted. And I think our players feel that way too. Is man, look, look what we get to do every day, and uh, it's it's eye opening sometimes when you go on the road, maybe to a mid major school, and you see, okay, this is where they get to practice and play, and they realize how fortunate they are. Coming from Kent State, we had a nice setup, we had a nice locker room and turf field, and but it's it's not close to compare to the the resources and the facilities that our players get to utilize every single day so yeah there's a, there's a lot of arm pinching going on you know just with me is i can't believe i'm here and uh, just really really fortunate
1: yeah when you walk onto some of those fields and and for us like in the mountain west and the WAC, there were some fields you go to and you're like man this is a tough situation for these guys but then you'd play on summer teams with guys from georgia or lsu and they're just like they would complain sometimes about things in their situation it's like man let's bring some perspective back and put you in the right area. You know,
0: anytime I, I get a complaint and it happens, it's just human nature, wherever you are, you, yeah. you look at someone, Hey, they get this. How come we don't mm-hmm. no, Hold on a second. When you go into pro ball, wait one week, just one week <laughs> and call me after a week and tell me how good you had it at Georgia. Because yeah. if you play pro ball, if you've been on a 14 hour bus ride from Memphis to Raleigh in the middle of the night and get off the bus at, 10 a.m. and your hotel room's not ready yet. So you got to wait and then you got to play that night. Plus you get 15 bucks a day meal money. So <laughs> just hey, take it in perspective when you get into pro ball. And that's one thing I've told my guys, you have to understand when you get the pro ball, it's going to suck. Yeah. Pro ball sucks. Yeah. And, and it's funny <laughs> to say that. I mean, I played five years. Yeah. I, play, I played sucky baseball for five years. The only place it's awesome is the big leagues. And it's designed that way for a reason. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be a challenge because the guys that get to the big leagues, you're either a freak athlete or you're a grinder Mm -hmm. and a guy that just accepts it. So I tell all my guys, the sooner you understand that it's going to suck, if you can just understand it, accept it, don't complain about it, just go out every single day. This is the way it is. I'm going to make the best of it. Those are the guys that succeed. Mm-hmm. And anyone that played pro ball can tell you, you you're you half of your team, maybe 75% of your team. All you do is complain. Yeah. God, <laughs> it's so hot. God, I'm so sore. All <laughs> oh, this bus ride, right. our hotel sucks. It, it's just because it does. But the guys that make it are the guys that accept it. This sucks. Okay, now what? Because complain about it and make it better. When it's hot outside, I tell my guys, okay, you saying it's hot, did it just get cooler? Nope. <laughs> it's still hot. <laughs> yeah. so why are you complaining? So as soon as you understand it and accept that, and it takes a pretty special dude, because I was the dude complaining, believe me, this sucks. I hate it. <laughs> and, and it's at a point, if you're a pro baseball player in the minor leagues, at some point, you've either said it out loud or said it to yourself, I hate baseball. Yeah, I hate this. This sucks because it's so hard. And you just have to have that mindset that this is what it is. And even though I get to play every day, the outsider, go hey, you're playing baseball. Yeah, I am. And it's a job. And when baseball becomes a job, it's really hard. So that's the thing that people don't understand. You know, they see you on a Tuesday night playing at a minor league park and they're in the stands eating a hot dog and drinking a beer. And man, this is cool. Those guys down there are grinding it and they've got real life pressures of no money. You're not getting paid. <laughs> yep. You've got guys around you that got bigger bonuses than you that you might be better than they're playing in front of you. I know. And it, <laughs> it's, it's real it's and it so stinks real. and it sucks. And as soon as you accept it, I think you got a better chance to succeed. JP, yeah. I'll let you go.
3: Uh, I was just gonna say I was working at, I worked in that Arizona Complex League, and those guys are six am. wake ups, played 9, 10 a m. in the morning games in a hundred degree weather. and that that was every day. And it was I think they got one day off a week. So it was like basically Monday through Saturday games. And then they had Sunday off. It
0: it's brutal. It, it, one of my favorite lines, it was from our our uh, minor league equipment manager in instructional league, my first year with the Minnesota Twins, and anyone that's with the twins, uh, knows who I'm talking about. Wayne Hathaway, just an absolute icon in the, the twins minor. He just passed away two years ago, but Wayne was in charge of giving us six inch subway subs at lunch, six weeks. This is instructionally back in 1993, went six weeks instructionally. We had six inch subway subs, <laughs> cold cut combos or tuna Everybody for did. six straight weeks for lunch. And we had a player uh, Ryan Lane, who's now coaching in college, and, and Ryan, I, I reminded him of this story. It's one of my favorite quotes ever. About four weeks in, Ryan Lane comes in and just says to Wayne, Wayne, what are the chances that we have something different than Subway tomorrow? He goes, about as much chance you got making it to the big leagues. <laughs> i laughing. I mean, it was so funny, right off the cuff. And that's what it is, man. It's so hard. And it yeah. is the chances of a regular minor league dude making it to the big leagues. Is slim and none. Mm-hmm. It just is. And you've got to find a way to accept that the only way I'm going to get there is by grinding it out and it's going to suck along the way. But those are the guys that end up making it yeah. because they just went about their business and got it done.
3: Yeah, yeah. I saw a statistic the other day. I think it's 90% of minor leaguers will be released in oh, their absolutely. career. Wow.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's a world game now. It's, it's gotten so much harder now with yeah. you know, the, 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 you know, obviously Dominican Republic and Venezuela, but now mm-hmm. you've got, Korean players and Australian players and Japanese players, it's a world game now. And it's the best of the best. And I mean, to go watch a double or triple a game, it's so high level. It's so Mm. unbelievable. And the stuff that the coming out of the the pitcher's hands right now, everything's 95 plus with life. And that guy's not in the big licks and it's just so hard to get there. And then it's so hard to stay there and to stay healthy and to fight off the younger guys coming kind up of trying to take your job, it's, it's so, so difficult. And the guys that make it and make a living and do really well at it, I mean, it's just, again, freak athlete or grinder, and the superstars are both. You know, the Mike mm-hmm. Trouts of the world, the Derek Jeters of the world, freak athletes but grinders, those are the guys that are superstars
2: yeah that's huge and it, you're bringing back some flashbacks some good memories and bad memories i remember going to clinton iowa and it smelled like freaking cow paper mill everywhere. yeah
0: you just i just smelled it you just said <laughs> thank you clinton, clinton has the paper mills and cedar rapids has the uh the sugar uh yep. the corn the corn syrup for the cereals and you you get off that. What is that smell? Yeah. It's oh, just man. it's the factories. Just blue collar man, middle America. Yeah.
2: I'm having like, like nightmares right now. I remember walking into our hotel. We get there exactly what you named. Hey, it's like 10 a.m. It's not ready. And then we finally get in. We've got like an hour to shower and get ready and. We go into the to the to the bathroom and I look at my towel and there's blood on my towel. There's like bugs crawling around the hotel. I'm like this is where we are for the next 3 days. Like what? And then you go outside there's no relief cuz it's 95 humid and it smells like that. It's
0: like where are you going to go? No I mean you're on the road, you don't have a car. You're at a Motel 6 off an exit. There's an Applebee's across the road that I can't afford to eat at because I only got 15 bucks for the day. (laughs) So, you know, your strategy is to sleep in as long as you can to still go down and get a Danish from the continental breakfast to save you. Then go back and maybe play video games or take a nap. And then you go to the field at 3.30, 4 o'clock and you play cards and then you play a game and then you get back and then you order pizza and then you sleep until noon and do it again. And it's groundhog game. That's a minor league life. And it is brutal hard. Uh, you know, hey, do you get some weightlifting down the road? Where am I going to lift? The Motel 6 doesn't have a weight room. So what am I going to do? And it's just the minor league life, especially the lower levels, are so, so difficult. And to, to be able to get to double and triple A and have a chance to get to the big ones, just a chance to get there, uh, it's it's a huge challenge.
2: Yeah, this is so good. I love it, coach. And, and thanks for the honesty with it. I love it. <laughs> it's so spot on. It's, it's so what spot it is. on. It is what it is. <laughs> I love it. Um, and, and really like going to that point, it's like, Hey, if you have the chance in, in you're one of those guys who's in those rounds, like obviously first rounder, probably a good chance you're going to go. But if you're in those rounds where you're looking at it, like I have the chance to go to this environment with where my, the football game's got to be just insane. Right. Absolutely. Out of this world, the environments, the culture, of college, just being a college athlete. And then there's like that dream of playing professional baseball. And I think a lot of kids forget, like, cause they can't really see it. Right. They haven't been there yet. So that amazing experience that you can get by even going to college and saying, Hey, like, let me get my three years in, let me go crush it. See what happens after this, but you never get those college years back, which I truly believe are so special. Um, yeah. I think
0: all of us as college coaches now have done a better job of, in our recruiting talks, you know, kids that can come in and play right away in the sec are going to have a chance to play professional baseball and yeah. get drafted out of high school. And it's professional scouts job to, to find those kids and to try to get them and convince them that professional baseball is the best route. So these kids are torn when they get in their senior year mm-hmm. in high school. They, they got people pulling out from both directions. And really, the only thing we can do is give them the facts, give them the information. These are the numbers, these are the stats. You know, statistically speaking, you've got a better chance of getting to the big leagues and staying in the big leagues by going to college. You've got a statistically better chance of going to college and going to the SEC of getting to the big leagues and staying in the big leagues. Doesn't guarantee anything. Doesn't mean that high school kids are not going to make it to the big leagues. But if you're going to bet, and that's basically what you're doing as an 18 year old, you're mm-hmm. betting on your future. Is it better for me to go to pro ball? Is it better for me to go to college? So you're placing a bet for lack of better way to describe it. You're placing the bet. What are you going to do? you're gonna take the odds. The odds are you've got a better chance of making it by going to college. And it's not because necessarily the coaching's better or it's it's not necessarily about that. It's more about an 18-year-old having money in his pocket and freedom versus a 21-year-old having money in his pocket and freedom. Mm -hmm. Think about yourself as 18-year-old, put a million bucks in your pocket as an 18-year-old and go to some town in Florida or Arizona where every girl in town knows who you are and knows what your bank account looks like. <laughs> yeah. How's that 18-year-old going to handle that? Yeah. yeah, Not very good. It's not going to work out very well. The 21-year-old, probably a pretty good chance it might not work out either, but you've got a better chance. You're a little bit more mature. You've, you've paid a bill on your own, hopefully. You've been on your own a little bit. You know what it's like to have some hardships, but an 18-year-old going off on his own with a bunch of money in his pocket is not a really good formula and the example I always use is name me a childhood star, a movie star, a TV star, a musician that grew up normal. That's now mm. 25, 35, 45. That's a normal person. Pretty rare. They get yeah. messed up because they're never told no. And when you're 18 and you're a millionaire, you're not being told no. You are given every chance to succeed and fail. And uh, that's not necessarily a, a good combination. So we just talk about growing up, come to college, grow up a little bit, and then go off and play professional baseball. The odds are better, and, and the odds are better that you're just going to be a little bit more normal when you get to be 35 years old.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with you, coach. I completely agree. Um, kind of as we start wrapping this, and I'll kick it back to you in a second, but uh, my last question to you, coach, is I know along this journey, you've had a lot of people that have poured into you. You've had a lot of um, great people in your life, I'm sure a lot of fellow coaches, mentors and people that have meant a lot to you. Um, Who's been somebody that just stands out in your mind that's been one of your your best mentors who's kind of taken you under their wing and and just helped kind of lead you through this process, maybe in your early coaching days, or even up until now. But who's that that one person that mentor for you in your life that just meant a lot to you and uh, maybe kind of elaborate on why?
0: Well, it all starts at home. You know, Mm. my my dad was, uh, you know, just just unbelievable to, to me and my brother. And it was, you know, coach just in little league and was at every single game and go in the backyard and hit his fly balls when he got home from work, when it was tired and would catch us when we wanted to pitch. And just, he was that guy and he retired my senior in high school so he could go out and watch me play. Went, went to almost every single game I played in college, home or away. Um, you know, so him and my mom and dad, they, they traveled everywhere. And, when I got into professional baseball, they were able to take long road trips and uh, and go watch us play and and just be there. So, you know, my, my dad just passed away a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it, it's, it's been uh, it's been tough. Uh, but th- that's it. It's, for me, it started at home that he was a he was a butt kicker. He kicked us in the ass regularly and, uh, and it made us tougher. And, and I think that's what it's about. And I'll tell our players that, too, is I'm not here to be your best friend. There are times that you're mad at mom and dad because they tell you what to do or what you can and cannot do or take things away from you. Well, that's part of my job too. And so you're not going to love me every single day, but you need to respect what we're trying to do. And that's what my dad taught me is it was tough love. This is the way it's going to be. If you don't do it right, I'm going to kick you in the ass. And, uh, but he gave me a lot of pats on the back and a lot of hugs too. So it all, for me, it started at home and, and, uh, you know, miss him terribly, uh, this will be the first season that I don't have him around. And and it's, it's, it's been a tough couple of weeks for me and my family.
2: Coach, we're definitely sorry to hear that man and sending you prayers and blessings your way. And um, just that impact that he's had in your life is, is absolutely incredible. And I know he's going to be with you throughout this whole season um, and right there by your side, but Ray Mac, I'll kick it off to you as we kind of wrap this up.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can just tell like as a coach, players always just want to know you have their back and i think that you've shown that just in your conversation with us and clearly your dad had your back no doubt so um we really appreciate you spending your time with us uh we have a quick game a five minute game to get you on out of here Uh, we didn't prep you at all but uh here it is (laughs) oh no (laughs) uh it's called on it or off it i'm gonna go through 10 things quick you're gonna tell me you're on it you're for it or you're off it you're not really about it and just a quick sentence as to why okay all right, number one, uh, pineapple on pizza. Often, no way,
0: <laughs> absolutely not. Hard pineapple on. I'm fine Love by it. itself, <laughs> but no, don't. You got two good things. Don't two good things are always good together. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, um, ice skating. Off it, just never did it. And I've gone with my kids, and I'm that, you know, old man out there. I look like, uh, you know, Rocky and, and uh, Adrian going around the rink at two mile an hour. That's, that's me off it. Not very good at it. oh, okay. uh, breaking balls. Love him. Got to be able to do it in our league. You're just feeding fastballs oh, yeah. in there. You're gonna lose it in a hurry. So you got to be able to do it as a pitcher, as a hitter. I hate it because I couldn't hit it anyway. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm on it. You know, as a coach, you got to be able to do it. You're good. Ted Lasso. You watched it? Love it. Awesome. Awesome. I, I called. Uh, we had a player, Riley King, last year. I, I called him. Uh, it's been a while. Is it uh, Danny? Uh, is it? Oh, Tart. Is that it? Oh, no, no. Who's the guy from uh, Columbia that's football is life? Danny Rojas? Oh, uh, you Rojas. Yeah. Rojas. I, I called I called Riley King Rojas because Riley King literally walked in. God, what a great day. Isn't this awesome? Just, I'm like, hey, man, you're Danny Rojas. Football <laughs> is life. Baseball is life. I love Ted Lasso Really good stuff. Very nice. Uh, Cracker Barrel Restaurant. Love it. Really good. But I just, I got to take a nap. Now, as you get older, you guys are freaking this out. <laughs> When you're younger, you eat it and you feel pretty good. You eat it now. It's 10 a.m. when you walk out of there. I can take a nap at 10 a.m. So, <laughs> love it, but it hurts. Uh, Jeopardy. Were you a Jeopardy guy? Yeah, like it. I, I was Trivial Pursuit. You guys are probably too younger. My Trivial Pursuit, we used to do that, and I used to cheat at night. Like, instead of reading, I used to read the cards. Oh, just, nice. You know, I, I made, made it up that I'm trying to get more knowledge and get smarter, but I was basically cheating ahead of time just so <laughs> I could be smarter. But, Yeah, I feel pretty smart when I can knock off a few Jeopardies. I did that the other night. I got like three or four in a row and felt pretty good, good, but it was all uh, 80s rock music, which is kind of my wheelhouse. And then it went into something science and I was screwed. So yeah, (laughs) yeah, I I love it, but uh, it's amazing how dumb I am. Hey, you're not showing up on Friday without a scouting
1: report, so. (laughs) That's right. Um, Expanding the regionals to
0: 32 host sites. I like it. I, I think having as many uh, home opportunities as possible, uh, I think it helps our game. It helps the mid-majors, you know, Kent state, we were never going to host a regional and uh, now all of a sudden you get it to 32. I think it gives a great opportunity and, and just gives more teams a better chance to advance. And, and I think college baseball should be played on campuses as much as possible and giving those teams from the north and spreading our game around you know yukon they need to host michigan needs to host you know, those teams need to host and if you expand it to 32 it gives more teams opportunities and some of those mid-majors can sneak in there too i like that uh top gun love it absolutely love it i'm still waiting i don't did i miss it the top gun 2 come out i keep seeing trailers so. for it but uh, yeah, 1986. I remember where I was when I first watched it. So yeah, I was uh, 14 years old, uh, loving that stuff. The, the crazy thing about it, though, is you guys have probably never seen the movie Revenge of the Nerds. You ever seen that? I have. I have. Okay. Well, the Goose, Goose was the nerd in Revenge of the Nerds. Goose was Gilbert. Really? And he was just the the. It just he was a computer nerd and got picked on and got beat on and now all of a sudden he's the cool guy in Top Gun so that was the hardest part for me hold on a second Gilbert is now a cool guy so that that's awesome Chick-fil-A love it absolutely love it <laughs> and Raven on Sundays it's an unbelievable marketing scheme they do it because that's their core principles but man there's a little bit of marketing in there too that man on Monday I guarantee that Chick-fil-A sales on Monday are really <laughs>
1: Uh, last one, <clears throat> a little more recent here. Uh, Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl
0: this year. It's really, really hard to bet against that guy. The guy is really good. Uh, but you know what? The, the second greatest quarterback in Athens High School history from Athens, Ohio, Joe Burrow, is facing – and I say that, and everyone kind of looks at me funny. Yeah, you know, I played quarterback, and no, that's a joke. I was awful at quarterback. <laughs> Joe Burrow, same high school and uh, man, that guy can compete. He's really good. So, uh, but winning at Arrowhead is going to be a challenge for the Bengals. I don't know if they have enough around Joe Burrow to uh, to get past the Chiefs. So, I'm rooting for the Bengals and Joe. Uh, I think the Chiefs win. I think they get to the Super Bowl. And yeah, I, I don't think you're going out on a limb on picking the Kansas City Chiefs. No, I don't
1: think so. That was great. We, we're going to sit down on every, other, every one, once in a while and just chat it up with you, man. This has been fun. Come on, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome,
2: Coach. We appreciate your time, man. I know you're busy and, and for you to take the time out of your day to do something like this. We we truly appreciate that. And uh, uh, go Cowboys. Go Cowboys. <laughs> I, I had I'll to throw it in there. With,
0: I'll just finish that one with a go dogs and a go Browns. I'm a, Browns, I'm a lowly Browns fan. Oh, and man. Really, really hard. And the only thing I told my son a long time ago, he's 17 now but when we were in ohio and, you know he he just on sunday he was miserable along with me and like daddy what why why are we browns fans because like, we're loyal because we're loyal that's the <laughs> only answer i could give him so uh, it's it's tough but i've i've come this far i'm going i'm going to keep rooting for him
2: yeah loyalty right there man loyal Loyal to the soil i love it man well we appreciate your time coach we're sending you guys the best of luck this year this spring um and definitely going to be pulling for you guys so we appreciate you coming on here man
1: and uh spending some time with us okay thanks guys appreciate it coach take care all right we're back uh what a cool interview and a great dude um and and i can't imagine being a head coach at a uh, SEC program, or or really any big Power Five program, but to be doing it at a school that just won a national championship for football too is kind of just mind blowing. What do you think about the interview with Coach Strickland?
2: I thought it was awesome. You said it in the intro, man, like I would love to play for somebody like this who sets the standards, holds each other accountable, but it's the open door policy where he gets to build relationships with his players. I think that was one of the biggest parts that stuck out to me is that we've interviewed a lot of really good coaches and, and whether it's a coach, whether it's an instructor, whether it's just an individual, the common theme is the common theme and it's building relationships with your players and with your teammates. And that's something that we've seen with all the successful coaches and all the successful programs that we've had on here is... They build relationships. They take the time to get to know their players. And so that was something that really stuck out to me. Uh, I could hear it from a couple of their old guys that I played with in in summer leagues before that loved it, right? They loved their experience there. I mean, how can you not? It's got to be an electric environment right now football and where they're going but uh, just a great job of of connecting with players building those relationships and then setting the standard for their team and program um, and then never wavering you know I think for him like setting that standard as a head coach is important because now everybody knows what to expect so um, really enjoyed the interview
1: yeah and and any coach that's going to run in and call one of their players uh Danny uh, what was his name Danny anyways Ted Lasso (laughs) he loves Ted Lasso I botched it in the interview I botched it again uh, Danny Trejo that uh, doesn't matter anyways, yeah, that's going to do it for us today <laughs> that's it <laughs>
3: that's going to do it for us today
1: coach again thank you so much we're looking forward to watching you this year we're going to be taking tabs on all you guys uh, SEC Network's going to get a lot of play this year uh, <laughs> take it easy on our Tigers so anyways <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening uh, if you have any questions or want to check us out at majorleagueuniversity.com we have all details that's it for me that's it for Austin BZB Byler.